This is the rock on which I put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. We are CTK. We are called to be the church, the hands and feet of Jesus. Our vision is to become a healthy, sending church movement that carries the hope of Jesus to individuals, communities, and nations. question remains. Will you join us? Will you help to build God's church? Are you ready to become a healthy sending movement? Good morning, everybody. It's great to see. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King. We're glad that you're here. We've been doing a series called The Conversation. We're going to push a pause button on that particular uh, that particular conversation for this morning anyway. And we're going to have a little bit of a kind of a family gathering today. If you're visiting with us, we invite you to eavesdrop on our family conversation because we've got nothing to hide. And we're just glad that you are here. If you open up your Bible, you'll run into a story that's so familiar that I think most of us that are church veterans just kind of bounce right over top of because we've just heard it way too many times. But the fact that it shows up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of the four Gospels, I think that's a clue to just how important that particular story is. 
And if I was to take that story and kind of modernize it, I would probably roll it out to you this way. The CEO had been teaching an all-day seminar, and as it came to the close, his board of directors approached him with a very important issue. The issue was food distribution and circulation. One of the brave ones spoke up and said, sir, excuse me, your audience is getting hungry. We believe it would be prudent for you to actually find a way to feed them. So you need to send them off to their towns so they can find something to eat. They can't hear the message over the growling of their stomachs. And we need this message to go in their ears, penetrate their mind and drop into their heart. The CEO thought for a moment and chose delegation. Solid management move. He says to his board of directors, you give them something to eat. Judas, the CFO of the group, chimes in. Excuse me, sir, but according to my calculations, that would take eight months' wages. Our profit and loss margins simply won't accommodate that kind of expenditure. Basically, what I'm saying to you, sir, is your plan will not work. The CEO thinks to himself and chooses an asset inventory strategy. He asks the question, what do you have? The response is, well, actually, we've seized the assets of a young investor who has a great future because he's the only one out of all these people that actually came prepared with a lunch. Or maybe we should hire his mom because we all know where the lunch came from. Amen? It's just true, right? But it appears, sir, we have two fish, five small barley cakes, and doing the math with approximately 5,000 male appetites to feed, not even including women and children. The bottom line is our assets far away, our liabilities to the point where this conversation, sir, is just plain stupid. We don't have enough. Everyone holds their breath. And the CEO unleashes an unorthodox plan. Bring, sit, Pray and eat. If you read the story of the feeding of the 5,000, that's exactly what Jesus does. Bring what you have to me. Have the people sit down in groups of about 50 or so, just for organizational theory. Thank God for the happy meal. <laughs> and then everyone eat until they're full. And I can just imagine in that moment, the analysts in the room are analyzing and the pragmatists are laughing and the skeptics are just plain skeptical because everybody knows it's such simple math. You cannot feed 5,000 guys and their families with this. It doesn't work. Unless the CEO in charge has a habit of multiplying things. If you read your Bible, it works. Thousands are fed. Why? Because Jesus is the multiplier. Jesus is the feeder. Jesus is the miracle. And here we are, some 2,000 years later, a small, incidental, inconsequential, ragtag group of followers of Jesus in Whatcom County, and we show up in exactly the same way the disciples did, and we've got a need. We come to Jesus, and this is what we say. We have approximately 200,000 people in our county who don't know you, Jesus. They're starving spiritually, and God responds responds, you feed them. You feed them. And we have logical objections. We don't have enough resources to make that happen. We don't have enough bodies. We don't have enough seats. We don't have enough buildings. We don't have enough room. All we have is a dream. But in the bottom of our soul, we all know something to be true. When your dream matches God's heart, a miracle is possible. When your dream lines up with what God says to be true, no matter how you do the math, we stand on the edge of a miracle every single time. God says, bring what you have to me. 
What do we have in the room today? What do we have? Honestly, we have, we have a dream. We have some passion. We've got some friends. We've got some influence. Some of us have some finances. But more important than that, we have a desire to give away what God gave to us. The very grace that we have been given, we just feel this burning compulsion. I've been feeling it here at Christ the King for 16 years. That there's something that God has put inside of us that we just are compelled to give away. God's grace was given to us. We want to give it away. Freely we have received, freely give. And in God's economy, we've got more than enough to make the dream a reality because it's the same CEO. Jesus is still the multiplier. Jesus is still the miracle working God. In the same way Jesus spoke to his disciples back then, he speaks to his disciples today, and this is what he says to us. You bring me your dream. Be thankful. Take a seat, because apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And then when you can't control yourself anymore, stand up and get in the game, because you just want to be a part of watching God do the multiplication. You know, I've got a dream And I've had this dream since Laurel and I rolled into this community all those years ago. A dream that every single person in Whatcom County could actually know Jesus. I'm so thankful that Christ the King is the kind of place where they can see Jesus and experience Jesus. And I am so excited to take a seat alongside with you and have that front row experience watching what God just might do if his people had the courage to dream big. I love the story of the feeding of the 5,000 because the disciples are just so human and God is just so God in the story. All the disciples see are obstacles, all the reasons why we can't. All God sees is potential. The disciples see this overwhelming need. God sees this little tiny chunk of faith. I'll make a confession to you. I am not a naturally faith-filled person. God apparently chose my wife as the faith bearer in our family. Laurel's got enough faith for all of us. But I don't naturally move in those circles of being naturally faith-filled. So often I feel like I come to God with a thimble. And I say, God, could you fill this thimble? Honestly, the reason I make small requests is because I don't want to be disappointed. But here's what's sad. For those of us that show up today and in response to this, we kind of pull out our little thimble. Like, hey, that's all I'm going to ask of you, God. Here's what's sad about that type of approach. The size of my request is directly connected to my perception of God's ability to be able to fill that request. Let me put that to you another way. A small request equals a small view of God. We come with these little tiny thimbles, but I got a question. What if we as a church came to God with a bigger container of faith? What if we stopped bringing God a thimble-sized expression of our faith and instead we showed up in the throne room of God in front of the God that still loves to feed people and this is his strategy to feed them by the thousands. What if we actually showed up in the throne room and left the thimbles at the door and instead brought a 50-gallon drum filled with dream and opportunity and expectancy knowing that the God who sits on the throne says this is how I operate. I like to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or even imagine. In a few moments you're going to hear a seven-year dream and before you hear it I'm going to tell you something about it. It's impossible. It's impossible. No hope. No hope of it being a reality as far as humans are concerned. 
all kinds of possibilities if we understand that the same God who fed thousands with this is still multiplying. Can't happen unless it comes from a multiplying God who loves to do the impossible. Can't happen unless you understand that the God we serve has this habit of uh, responding to spiritual hunger with faith-growing, dream-stretching miracles. So to all the skeptics in the room, all the pragmatists in the room, all of the analysts in the room, I just want to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you to join me in a prayer. I'm basically going to pray, God, would you help us get over our humanness? Would you take us into the realm of your kind of possibility? Would you take us back to the faith of what kind of people would bring an insignificant little lunch and say, God, could, could, you, could you feed everybody with this? Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I confess to you, I am naturally prone to thimble-sized requests. But I pray today, God, would you give me the faith to believe in a God who can feed thousands with almost nothing? God, for all the times where I've believed too small, would you forgive me? God, would you expand my vision, expand my faith, expand my dream to play a role in seeing thousands of lives changed for your glory and your kingdom and your name. With every head bowed in the room, everybody praying together, would you just take a moment and ask right now, God, would you overcome my natural skepticism? God, would you inspire me, stretch me, challenge me? God, would you give me the belief that you can still multiply a small dream and turn it into a staggering reality? Father, give us great faith, I ask in your name. Amen. No, Grant did not magically grow. <laughs> I'm, I'm Pastor Todd. I'm the lead uh, vision pastor here. And um, just by the title of what I do, you, you might know that this, for me, is a very important Sunday. For the last three and a half years, uh, God, I don't know if you, some of you know, I've been here three and a half years. That's kind of crazy to say that. What it's, it's been awesome. And um, to talk on Vision Sunday is to share a preferred future. That's really what a vision is. It's how you see things. And so what I'm going to be doing for you is unfolding our nuts and bolts. So hopefully I give enough information for some of you and for some of you not too much. But, but the goal is for you to see what God has been working in our hearts over the last few years. Let me start back at the beginning. I, I remember I've been here about three months. And a couple of pastors came up to me after a uh, all staff meeting. They said, "Hey, Todd, listen, we you're, you're you're kind of the guy in charge of this vision stuff. What's next?" I go, "Where are we going?" And I looked at him and go, "Guys, I have no clue." And, and that's one of the things about leading in God's church. This is not my church. This is not Grant's church. This is Christ the King. And in his church, you have to wait on him to hear where he wants to take us. 
And guys, this has been a multiple year process. And, and what's been fun is that God has, we believe, revealed in a great way where we're headed. So uh, a couple of stories just to kind of uh, tell you where this came from. Again, this is all over the course of a couple of years. But I remember one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, in fact, Grant talk, talked about it this, uh, this summer, is Revelation chapter 4 and 5. That's the throne room of heaven. And in the throne room of heaven, you, you, you enter in heaven, and as John's you know, vision is, is sharing this, you see these four living creatures, and they're, and they're kind of funky, you know, they have all these eyes all over them, and they're singing a song perpetually. Now, now realize this is both a present reality and a future reality, is they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they're saying this over and over and over again. And, and what, what, what hit me about that is, they're trying to describe who God is. Not only that God's eternal, but that he's holy. And it's the only time in scripture where we see any word used in triplicate, at least that I can remember. I, I've tried to think, is there any place else? No, no, I think it's the only time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and as I was kind of having this conversation with God, it was a reminder to me, oh God, this is the most important part of who you are. That you are Holy that you are awesome, that you are set apart, that you are unique amongst everyone else, that literally your holiness is something for us as your children to be striving for. And that hit a chord in me, that God wants us to be like him. Well, if you go over to the next chapter, chapter five, we have Jesus come on the scene. And here in the throne room of heaven, Jesus comes on and sees it says, by his blood, he purchased every tribe and nation and language. And it was like going, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you see who God loves? In God's kingdom, there are no borders. There are no cities or states or countries or nations. It's literally that God's love is for everyone. And that, I was like, man, I was thinking, what type of movement would we have to have in order to see everyone on planet Earth engaged in what God is offering? That, too, was the second thing that hit me very strong. Well, the third thing hit me, and it wasn't actually from Scripture, but it was God talking me through a Christian magazine. This is the most, it was the craziest story. So I'm reading this magazine. It's kind of like the nerd pastor magazine called Outreach Magazine. And this is us pastor types read it, and it's all about, it was their top 100 issue of the year. So it's their big issue every year this Outreach Magazine does. It's like top 100 biggest churches, top most innovative churches. And I'm reading through there, and I, and I remember God almost saying this to me. You know, it's like, it's just an impression in my heart. It's like, hey, don't borrow someone else's vision. And that is something we have to learn is, you no, know, the vision for Christ the King here is not from some other churches doing some great thing. It's from what God wants us to do. And I remember God saying, what don't you see? And I saw churches that were innovative and were growing, were starting other churches. It was, it was really incredible what they were doing. No, nothing wrong with what they're doing. In fact, great things. But God was trying to get my eyes to see something else. And what I realized is these churches were building their churches, but they, they weren't necessarily building God's kingdom in the fact that they were sending people beyond themselves. And when I put those three pieces together, and again, this is over years, I remember going to Grant one day and saying, Grant, I think God has given me uh, the vision of where we're supposed to go. It's these three words, healthy sending movements. And I say, you know, I described it in detail what I was, you know, kind of dreaming and thinking about. And I said, Grant, will you pray about this? So he went and prayed about this. I remember he came back to me, he goes, I'm all in, man. And you can see how Grant is. I'm so excited. We've got to do this. Let's do this. Let's go to the elders and talk with them about it. And we did. 
I remember going to the elders and we talked about it with the elders of our church and the elders together collectively like, yes, let's do this. And then we went to the management team who are the leaders here of the church on staff. We're like, hey, management team, what do you think about this? And we're like, yeah, let's do this. We're all in. And we went to the staff and the staff was like, yes, this is a fantastic vision. Let's go and do this together. And that's where we are today, right now, right here. That God has given us a vision of being a healthy sending movement. And our, our actual vision statement is this. Our vision has become a healthy sending church movement that carries the hope of Jesus to individuals, communities, and nations. And so what I want to do is talk about the nuts and bolts of that and talk about how that maps on this thing Grant mentioned earlier as our seven-year dream. So our seven-year dream is simply the goals for our vision. How are we going to measure this vision as it plays out over time? So let me do that. Let me start with definition. And let's start with the word healthy. What do we mean when we say the word healthy? Because I'll say this, the word healthy is actually hard to define, it's actually easier to feel. You know when you feel healthy. You know when your relationships are healthy. You know, you know when you're emotionally healthy. You know when your work-life balance is right and it's healthy. You understand what healthy feels like. And when all aspects of our lives are feeling that way, that is what spiritual health looks like. But under God's lordship, everything, our 24-7, not just our hour that we're here on the weekend, but everything is under God. And we're saying, no, 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 I am living for him all the time. I am truly spiritually healthy. And you know what that looks like? Holiness. That everything belongs to God and we're actually starting to become more like him because we're following him with our entire life. So our seven-year dream to be a healthy church is this, that we would double our impact in Whatcom County, that we would double our impact in Whatcom County. How are we going to do that? Well, we can measure a bunch of different ways, and I remember taking this to the elders, and we were having a conversation about it, and one of the things they said is, what we don't want to do is just measure numbers, like, hey, let's get five services and have two and a half thousand more people come on the weekends. No, that's not the right measurement, because people then just become a number, and you know what, guys? None of you are just a number. You are a soul that the living God cares for. So we're not going to measure that way. You know how we're going to measure? We're going to measure the things that truly matter. Our first measurement is one that you hear from our mission statement all the time, that purposeful life of discipleship. We're going to try to measure discipleship. And around here, how we do discipleship are small groups. Small groups are where we join together to have biblical community, where we sometimes share food together, where we laugh together, where we cry together, where we read God's word together and study God's word, where we pray with one another, where we live life. And those people in the small, I'll tell you what, in my last three and a half years, the best thing I've done is get into a small group here. I love my small group. And so our goal is that we will have around here in the next seven years, 500 adult small groups and 300 next generation small groups because discipleship matters and we're going to measure what matters most. That's our first metric. Our second is this, serving. I want you to think about this on a given week at CTK, we have over 700 people that serve around here from the people who greet you coming in to the people who are handing out programs and doing the ushering. In fact, you don't even know the people who do all the lights and sound stuff until something goes wrong here, right? Then there's the people who do our worship on the weekends. I mean, they come here for probably 15 hours a week and just to serve you. There's people who are back serving our kids and our next generation. We have middle school leaders. We have high school leaders. We have tons of ecclesia leaders. We have people who are leading small groups all around the county. 
There's a lot of ways that our people serve. In fact, we actually serve in different organizations, people that are on boards of those organizations and serving in those organizations all over walking because they want, they want to make Christ famous and the love of Christ compels them to actually reach beyond just here. Did you know that we have a couple dozen people who serve in this thing called the Harvest Garden and they've produced 36,000 pounds of fresh organic food to give at our, um, our food bank so that we can give it away? I mean, isn't that awesome? But not only that, there's people here who will give their own time and money and even use their vacations to go overseas to bless those who don't yet know Christ. Why? Because the love of Christ compels them. They want to serve. And so when we look and say, man, it feels like about 700 weeks, we just got very practical. What if we double that number? And the next seven years went from 700 to 1,400. That would be a game changer for God's kingdom in Whatcom County. Third is generous giving. And church, there's some, some of you here that are really generous. But our goal with our giving is that we would increase by 50% over the next seven years so that we can expand and do more ministry. And here's what we're going to do. We're only going to spend 90% of the resources that we take in on ourselves. 10% we're going to try to give away. 5% are going to go start more churches. 5% is going to go to overseas missions because we believe that God wants us to affect not just us, but those beyond us. And here's our dream, that someday that 10% becomes 15%, becomes 20%, becomes 30%, that we could give more and more away so that the mission of Christ is greater than just what's going on here. We're saying, wow, what if God could do great things with those resources? And here's the cool news. We're on target and on plan right now to retire all debt in the next seven years so that we could have more money to put towards that. How awesome is that? Yeah. Being healthy and measuring in this way will be the resource that helps us finish the rest of this dream. Church, it requires all of us to step in. If we are healthy, if we move towards health with Jesus, it's going to be the vehicle that helps us become ascending movement. So what do we mean by those terms? Sending. This is the next step in our vision. To send means we're not trying to control people. We're trying to release people. And here's our goal for the next seven years. To train and release 1,000 envisioned leaders who will choose to serve God with the rest of their lives. Whether that's in a small group or starting churches as a missionary or serving in a community organization or whatever, that these envisioned leaders are prepared to serve God with a life on mission no matter their occupation. Within that dream, we actually are hoping to, we say it this way, kind of tithe 10%. The 10% of those people will go into full-time Christian work as an occupation. Church, I don't care if you're 30 or if you're 50 or you're 70. In fact, some of you, especially who are later in life, what if God has been preparing you all your life for this moment? What if God taps you on the shoulder when you're 64 and says, hey, you're about to retire, but you know what? You're not going to retire. I've got a big plan in your life, and I want you to use all the skills that you've learned to make the biggest difference at the end of your life. What if we as a people started thinking not just about relaxing, but moving forward, advancing in God's kingdom? One of the most specific ways we're going to do that is with our next generation. Some of you know that over the last couple of years, we've had something called Mission Year. 
where we've been training uh, college students to really get prepared for life on, on mission. Well, we had to change the name. Actually, it's legal reasons, and that's a whole other story. But it's now called the Intensive, and two years ago, there was 12 people. Last year, there was 45. This year, they started with 120 college students. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Who are giving, I want you to think, these college students are already busy taking full-time loads. Some of them working are giving about 15 hours a week so that they can be prepared to give a life on mission when they're done with this. They want to be prepared for ministry no matter what they do. And imagine those college students going back to their hometowns, going to a job somewhere in a different, a different city or a different state, but they're ready to serve the Lord with the rest of their lives. That dream is awesome. Can you imagine, from CTK, we send a thousand people into God's kingdom work at all different places, and wherever God wants to lead them, he takes them. That kingdom play, oh man, that's what I want to be part of. I'd love to be able to say someday, every church in Whatcom County has somebody that CTK trained because we believe in God's church, not just ours. Amen? That'd be awesome. Well, finally, our third key word in our vision is the word movement. Some of you may or may not know this, but this is our DNA. Do you know that over the last 27 years, we've actually started 10 other churches? It's been pretty awesome. Our goal is to do more. With our simple church model and our efficient use of resources, we believe that by simply investing 5% of all our giving that comes in from all of our campuses, so not just Bellingham, but uh, uh, downtown, Ferndale, uh, Sudden Valley, we'll be able to invest over $2 million into seed money to help launch 20 more churches in the next seven years. How awesome is that? For the last four years, we've been working with our three other campuses trying to figure out systems and processes to make it as easy as possible to launch new churches. And we're going to go after this very strategically. Here's our big goal for this next year, one church. The year after that, two churches. We're going to go slow, but as we can hone in on the process and develop it over time, we believe, we, God, and here's the question, well, Todd, are all those going to happen in Whatcom County? We have no clue where they're going to happen. Wherever God leads, they go. And it could be here in the States, it could be somewhere else. Whatever God wants, we'll follow. As the Holy Spirit opens the doors, so, so we go, so we follow. So that's it. That's what we mean by healthy sending movements. And I think the first response that most of us have is, really, though, is that possible, right? I mean, we have way too small group, few small groups right now to get a dream of having 500 adults and 300 kids. You know the old saying, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and now we're trying to flip the script on that? That doesn't work, right? People don't join in like that. Our finances have been steady for the last five years. Nothing to complain about. They've been steady and strong. But to increase by another 50%, that's over $2 million. That sounds like a lot. We've never purposely been to sending church before. We've been sending people accidentally almost, but purposely and a thousand of them? Come on, we've existed for 27 years and only started 10 churches, some which have already closed their doors and failed, and now we want to start 20 churches in seven years? Come on! Can this work? Impossible means that it is only God possible. And so that gets us excited. Jesus was talking to his disciples. In fact, this happens in multiple gospels. 
And he gives a really tough word to a rich guy and says, listen, it's going to be hard to be in my kingdom. And his disciples are like, oh my goodness, God, you want us to go all in. This is too much. You're asking too much of us. This is too hard. And Jesus has this reply to him, and I think it's just so brilliant. What is impossible for man is possible for God. What is impossible for man is possible for God. And, and you know what? We actually believe that around here. We really do. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think the limiting factor of us moving forward is the amount of small groups we have, the amount of money we have, or even the amount of people we have serving. I believe the true limiting factor is our willingness as a people to share the love of Christ with others. Here's the deal. Ever since I've been here in the last three and a half years, I even know this now in our, in our community, we have a reputation of being an outreach church. But I believe it's more reputation than reality. We reach out in parts, but what if we actually reached out in full? What if we actually did what God called all of us to do, to be his hands and feet everywhere, and no matter what our sphere of influence, no matter what circle we're in, we say, no, I'm going to share the love of Christ here. That's why we're doing this series, The Conversation. That's why we're focusing on this all year long, because we believe that God wants us to be the type of people who care for everyone. Because when you go to the throne room of heaven, who's there? Everyone. Well, let me try to summarize what we've heard about our vision. Our great goal is to be a healthy sending movement, and our seven-year dream is the metrics for that. So healthy, our dream is to double our impact here in Whatcom County. Sending, our dream is to send a thousand trained and equipped people wherever God wants to lead them, out into the church universal to serve and bless his kingdom and expand it. Movement, we want to launch 20 new campuses. And I think when you hear that, you go, oh, that t-shirt you're wearing actually makes sense. Double the impact, send 1,000, start 20 churches. Double 1,020, that's our dream. Church, here's the deal. When you came in, you received this program. I want to encourage you to take this with you. Stick it in your Bible. Tape it up on your mirror. We're going to be talking a lot about this over the next seven years. Trust me. We have a huge focus. We have a huge dream to get after. But I want to make sure that we as a church are praying for this. But here's my question, and I just, I'll finish with this. What are you going to bring? How are you going to participate? How are you moving towards health? Because right now we can have one of two responses. We can come with a little thimble. Or we can bring a 50-gallon drum. That choice, that's up to you. Will you stand with me for closing prayer as Pastor Frank Talbot, our lead executive pastor, will come and pray for us. Let's pray together. Let's continue to worship and respond in prayer together. Lord God, the truth is, Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth and the oceans and everything in them. And somehow we still make you way too small. God, the truth is you've been speaking to folks just like us in every generation for thousands of years. So we come to you, Lord. We just bring, we bring what, what we got. We bring, God, who we are. 
And we ask you to do something only you can do. God, right now, today, in this place, God, would you, would you change us? Would you change us from the inside out? And would you give us a heart, a heart of strength, courage, boldness, and the love we need to speak and share what's true about your love and salvation? God, so that our own families, our own friends, our own neighbors will know who you really are. God, we're watching. We're watching for you to keep showing us your great heart and your great power by reaching out to heal people and do amazing, wonderful things through the name of your son, Jesus. For your own name and for your own kingdom, we ask. Amen.